Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, today we're talking about the 1984 comedy western musical Lust in the Dust. This movie, I think, if if the title sounds pretty silly to you, you're right on target. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a like a love letter to spaghetti westerns. It really is, you know, and and watching it through after the first time I saw it, they basically take every stereotype every trope from the early westerns the 50s westerns and the spaghetti westerns of the of the 60s and the 70s and they turned that into a joke yeah pretty much yeah it's it's uh it's like blazing saddles but 80s more 80s right this is this is a movie that nobody was ever supposed to take seriously originally it was intended for john waters to direct this film but since he didn't write the script, he wasn't interested in directing it. So instead, it was directed by Paul Bartell. This movie is probably the first one that we've covered that has an openly gay director, producer, leading man, and a drag queen in it. Yeah, uh, it's a equal opportunity always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and by the way, this is our 20th episode so happy birthday to the dumpster fire yay we can almost drink <laughs> almost as i said directed by paul bartell who is known as much for his acting as his directing he did direct death race 2000 and eating raul yeah those are good eating I raul death. i know i saw was on usa up all night even though i didn't watch it maybe that that's one we need to put on our list Hell yeah. Death Race 2000, of course, one of my all-time favorite um, uh, dystopian future movies. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it had uh, Sylvester Stallone in that. And, uh, that. That was classic. Yeah. And even that's one of the few movies that got remade just as good as the original. Yeah. He directed Death Race 2000 for uh, Roger Corman. He spent a year working on it. And got paid $5,000. Yeah, it sounds so, about like Roger Corman's pay rate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he was, he was definitely looking to make more money as an actor than as a director. Uh, but he yeah. continued to work with Roger Corman on a number of projects after that. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's usually how it goes in the Corman biz. Yeah. Once you're in, you're in. It's like the mafia. I'm he also acted in a number of Ron Howard movies. That's cool. Yeah. Movie was written by Philip John Taylor, who mostly wrote for TV in the 70s. He wrote for Good Times, The Incredible Hulk, and What's Happening. In the 80s, he wrote for Mork and Mindy, The Fall Guy, and Knight Rider. In the 90s, he wrote for Zorro, Highlander, Murder, She Wrote, and Silk Stockings. As a, as a solid background, I love Fall Guy, man. That, that was one of my favorite shows growing up when I was a kid. Yeah, that was a great show. I mean, I grew up watching lee majors in uh six million dollar man and yeah. so when the fall guy came on i was expecting six million dollar man 
uh, even though it's a completely different show. But, you know, he kind of played the $6 million man if the $6 million man hadn't been bionic and was a stuntman slash detective. Yeah, the stunt work on that show was awesome. It's like really cool and stuff. And uh, right. if you ever sit on something, I, I highly recommend it. Movie stars Tab Hunter as Abel Wood. He had been groomed as a teen heartthrob in the 50s, appeared in Damn Yankees, Grease 2, and The Burning Hills, successfully transitioned from teen heartthrob to adult drama actor in the 60s and 70s. In the 70s, he became very productive in television, appearing in Love Boat, Policewoman, Hawaii Five-0, and Charlie's Angels. Damn. Yeah. He met the producer of this film, Alan Glazer, who is known for MASH, Dynasty, and Trapper John M.D. While working for 20th Century Fox, they formed a relationship that lasted, oh, 30-some-odd years. They eventually got married in 2013, about five years before Tab Hunter died. But out of that relationship came the production company that made this movie. Also stars Divine as Rosie Velez. Hell yeah. Divine, of course, iconic drag queen of the 1970s, known for Hairspray, Female Trouble, and Pink Flamingos. She worked very closely with John Waters and died in 1988 to, due to heart failure. Yeah, I've seen a lot of John Waters movies. Uh... Yeah, some are better than the others, you know, and then some of them are just, you know, John Waters movies. And uh, yeah, I, I like a lot of them. Uh, Hairspray was great, the the original, not the musical. And uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I love Serial Mom. Serial Mom's really good movie. Right. Next, we have Lainey Kazan as Margarita Ventura. She appeared on Broadway beginning in 1961, even got to perform as Barbara Streisand's understudy in Funny Girl. Damn. Yeah. Best known for playing a bunch of people's moms. Yeah. Uh, every time I've seen her, she's like some uh, mom, usually a Jersey mom in a sweater, cussing somebody out. Uh, she does played, that job. But... Yeah. Played Maria Portocalos in My Big Fat Greek Wedding and My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. Yeah. Also played Bette Midler's mom in Beaches. Remember that? And she appeared in You Don't Mess With the Zohan. I remember that. More recently, she played the mother of Norman in The Kaminsky Method. Norman, of course, played by Paul Reiser. Wow. She There was a, an incredibly funny scene there after she had a stroke of Paul Reiser trying to carry her out to the car and stuff her in it. I'm sure some of that, a lot of that was done with a, with a stunt double, but if it wasn't, oh my God. <laughs> okay. Oh no. Have you seen the Kaminsky method? I've heard about it. I've heard some people talk about it and I've read a couple articles online, but, uh, it's really... really good. It's basically a romancing the stone reunion in, oh, man. in, in series format. Hell Yeah. Michael Douglas play. It is Michael Douglas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Michael Douglas plays an actor named Sandy Kaminsky, actor turned acting coach. And Kathleen Turner is his ex wife. 
Danny DeVito is his urologist when he finds out he has prostate cancer. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's definitely worth binging. There's three seasons total to that show. It's definitely yeah. worth watching. Oh, yeah. I love War of the Roses and shit. Yeah, yeah. Next, we have Jeffrey Lewis as Hard Case Williams. We last saw him as Dr. Carter in episode 15, The Night of the Comet. Hell yeah. Also appeared in Falcon Crest. He's a TV character actor throughout the 80s. Also appeared in Lawnmower Man, The Devil's Rejects, and Double Impact. Hell yeah, those are all good movies. I like those. And we have Cesar Romero as Father Garcia. Hell yeah, the original Joker, man. The original Joker. This guy was this guy was one hardworking character actor. Oh yeah. Has more than 200 credits on IMDb spanning the years 1933 to 1992. Yeah, a lot of westerns and shit. I remember growing up. So many westerns. Oh, everything. And then, you know, Batman 66, you know, everybody watched that. I did, you know, growing up and stuff. So Yeah. Appeared in a string of low-budget westerns as the Cisco Kid. As you said, our generation knows him best as Batman as the Joker in the Batman TV series, the one where the the rogues gallery, the villain's hideout, looks like every modern day young girl's social media. It's all tilted at an angle. Yeah, everything's got Dutch angles. I, I, I know, <laughs> you know, to make you feel uneasy when you're in the bad guys layer, but yeah, now people just use it to be edgy and cool, and it just—it's not as cool as it used to be. Yeah, if you—if you're taking a picture for Twitter, that was the rule. It had to be tilted at an angle, like a Batman villain. So, yeah, I don't get it, but you know, nobody—nobody nobody asked me. <laughs> <laughs> had recurring roles on Rawhide, The Red Skelton Hour, Alias Smith and Jones, Fantasy Island, The Love Boat, and. A primary, a primary role on Falcon Crest. And finally, Nidra Volz as Big Ed. <laughs> I love this old lady, man. She uh, is definitely one of my favorite 80s sitcom stars. She came into acting very late in life, making her feature film debut in 1973 at age 65. Yeah, she she got on late, man, but she got some mileage. I remember her in she uh, did moving violations. I love moving violations, especially the scene where uh, I, I forget who it is walks into the men's room and she's sitting in the urinal. Yeah, oh <laughs> why God. is my back wet? <laughs> and I'll watch that movie right now to see her lines and stuff in it because it's. I mean, it's it's an all right movie. Uh, had like Bill Murray's little brother in it or something, but it she really stole that whole movie. It's like her and the chick that played the judge. Yeah, like they that movie. She played the housekeeper for the Drummonds in Different Strokes after Charlotte Ray left and went to work in a private school, a private girls' school in The Facts of Life. Yeah, also appeared in Earth Girls Are Easy. Hell yeah, I remember that. And then she had bit parts in Alf, One Day at a Time, Give Me a Break, Night Court, and The Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, she was uh, every TV show. You just like every week you change the channel. She's on a different show. Yeah. Dumpster fire body count for this movie. We're going to see nine dead men, two dead women, a dead priest, and two dead buzzards. 
<laughs> All right, so this movie starts out with opening credits and a song, a stupid song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the tarnished tumbleweed. Yeah. <laughs> Against but... a backdrop of Southwest landscapes and the desert sun. This song is sung so dramatically, um, probably because the lyrics are so very cliche. Yeah, I think like that's the like uh, the whole joke, right? Is songs and these are so damn westerny cliche things, and it's like you know how country music's like you know kind of relative to like three different types of songs. You know, it's like uh, car left me or I lost my car. The dog left me and my girl left me. It's like that. They're so cliche and it makes them kind of funny. Yep. Uh, not as funny as the dialogue in the movie, though. This movie's <laughs> a great dialogue that we'll probably gloss over. But yeah, it, they're totally cliche. Yeah. There's a narrative voiceover as we see Rosie Velez clumsily riding a mule across the desert with a tiny little parasol. The narrator explains uh, the legend of Chile Verde um, and wants to make sure we know how hot it is. You, you, do, you, do you remember how hot it was, Jesse? Uh, no, I do not. I know it, was, it was very hot because of the blistering, burning, blazing, scorching, roasting, toasting, baking, boiling, broiling, steaming, searing, sizzling, grilling, smoldering, very hot New Mexico sun. Damn, that's hot. <laughs> that's pretty hot, man. At the end of the narrative, Rosie falls off her mule, and when she looks up, she sees the pop. The top has come off her jug of gin and is pouring out into the sand. And of course, she's upset now because she'll have nothing to drink. The mule's not going that. any further. Yeah. Mule just lays down. He's not going anywhere. But Rosie spots some water, and she leads the mule toward this little pond, kind of a little oasis. And there's a mysterious man watching from somewhere. Yeah. As Rosie strips and heads down into the pool to swim in some really dirty water. It's nasty. Her top was white when she got in the water. It was gray after she was already in there. Yeah, she must have thrown some mud or some shit because it just, it instantly, as soon as it gets wet and it turns back to her right. uh, from the cowboy guy. Yeah, it's like just nasty. Well, the man appears silently, which surprises Rosie. She's afraid at first, then she's not so much afraid anymore as she lists all the horrible things she imagines he'll do to her. And that kind of, she, she yeah. kind of likes that idea. It got turned on there a little bit. She got it back. <laughs> but he just walks away. She she wants him to to wait because she does she'll die because she doesn't have anything to eat. So he looks up and sees a vulture circling and he shoots one and it just drops like a lawn dart. <laughs> There's one. <laughs> this was this was one seriously rigid vulture when it hit the ground. Yeah. It's totally cartoony and shit. It's <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's something Well, then he whistles for his horse and rides away. Rosie chases after him. And this is when we get the first look at the stranger's face. The stranger, of course, played by Tab Hunter. We'll find out later his name is Abel Wood. I'm going to tell you now so I don't have to keep referring to him as the stranger. 
<laughs> yeah, he's like a, the carbon copy of Clint Eastwood from a fistful of dollars. You know, it's right. Doesn't talk much. Has the hat with the uh, what do you call it? Uh, poncho and shit. Right. He's he's Is got he... the poncho. He's got the the wide brimmed hat. He's got everything except the little cigar. Yeah. Uh, he gets on his horse and he just kind of takes off and she's after him complaining and stuff, just walking beside him. I honestly think Rosie just wanted somebody to talk to because she's not even upset about having to walk the entire way while he's riding a horse. She's just talking nonstop. Yeah, totally like a chick, kind of like a road. Uh... <laughs> and she explains her encounter with Hard Case Williams, and that kind of gets this guy's attention. Then we get a flashback sequence, complete with the watery transition. And Rosie rounds a corner in the desert to encounter Hard Case Williams and his gang. Now, his gang all have very descriptive names. There is a Mexican man named Mexican. Yep. There is a Chinese man named Chang. Okay. We see Hard Case Williams himself. Yeah. There's an African-American man named Blackman. Uh, okay. And a dwarf named Clarence. <laughs> on a pony oh, i can't get away from midgets man i just uh, any movie <laughs> i don't care what uh, i'm there if there are any dwarfs in our audience i'm just going to apologize and think it's funny anyway yeah i'm sorry man you guys are entertaining <laughs> well hard case williams explains that um his men's have his men his men <laughs> His men have certain carnal needs, and she's going to satisfy those needs. <laughs> Apparently starting with the dwarf, because he just runs up and rips her top off. Yeah. <laughs> As he gets closer, Hardcase Williams appears to be allergic to her perfume and just starts sneezing uncontrollably. Like every other word. Yeah. Starts, yeah. Like me when ragweed is blooming like now oh man dude don't even get me started past week has been hell on yeah me too i'm right there with you well hard case williams he's gonna pass because he's had carnal knowledge of over 200 women two goats and a chicken and none of them ever made him sneeze like this damn that's a weird flex <laughs> okay <laughs> Well, Rosie's story doesn't seem to match up with the flashback that we're seeing because she's saying that horrible things were done to her and it was so very traumatic. She says they ravaged her for hours and it was horrible. In the flashback, though, we're seeing Rosie is ready to go again and the men are all begging to be left alone. Yeah, it was like 10 minutes tops. And then she's like, what, what, what is this? <laughs> what, what, I thought you guys were men, Finley men. Well, she looks over at her mule, and her mule isn't having any of it. He gets up and runs away. Uh, that night, though, the dwarf Clarence is ready for seconds, and Rosie accidentally breaks his neck. Yeah, uh, that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she, <laughs> she's like, yeah, oh, man. You see the, the guy climbing over uh, Clarence, and, you know, he's dwarf, and he's climbing up her, you know, and then he's like, always the little one's got something to prove. And then she like, Leans over to get something to drink or something, and like, yeah, accidentally like breaks his neck. Yep, 
Well, Rosie's headed to Chile Verde to sing in a cantina. She continues talking nonstop as they pass the grave of Cactus Kaplan, who died at the age of 25. Rosie and Abel eventually arrive in the town of Chile Verde, which is this tiny little desert town. Not even a road going through it. It's just a spot. Yeah, it's like just a couple of like setups and then that's about it. It's like a little mining town. Or something. Yeah. Well, they hitch up and head into Margarita's Cantina, which appears to be deserted, except that there are plates of food out on the table. There's a fly buzzing around, too, that we never see. Yeah, total sound uh, fly work. I know, because like, it almost looked like this one part where uh, the cowboy would, where he's like following the fly, but that didn't go anywhere. That's kind of like just a, right. you think he's going to shoot it or something badass, but it goes nowhere. It's like just he's just kind of following around and stuff. But yeah, they're in the, the abandoned room. Uh, bars, food's there. Uh, of course, the chick, she dips her finger in some food. It's like, ooh, still good, you know? Right. And uh, of course, Abel, he helps himself to a, a bottle at the bar. And then I don't know if he hears something or he sees something, but he turns around and draws and shoots a hole through somebody's hat. This is... Richard Parker, also known <laughs> as Red Dick, on account of his red hair. Oh, man, that guy's been in so many movies. I loved him in The Burp. <laughs> he was also in uh, Children of the Corn. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, his line delivery in this movie is funny as shit, because he's playing it like some 1950s like version of a Western, you know? Right. So he's like all exposition and just he's happy as hell and chipper, you know? Yeah. And as soon as he sees Rosie, he is smitten. Oh, yeah. Smitten. She gets that a lot, I guess. I mean, it happened with the hard case gang. And then, of course, soon she comes in this, you know, this guy's like all over stuff. Well, Abel asks, asks Red Dick where the rest of the town is. And they're all yeah. hiding until he gives them the signal, which apparently is playing a ragtime version of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony on the piano. Yeah. Well, when he starts playing, Bernardo and his boys enter. These are apparently town bullies because Bernardo immediately begins instigating. Every time Abel tries to light his cigarette, Bernardo blows his match out. Then he tosses a beer in Abel's face. Abel reaches out and strikes a match on Bernardo's chin, lights his cigarette, and then holds it out there for Bernardo to blow it out this time. Yeah. Uh, that that was pretty cool. I like that. Also, the guy that plays Bernardo, he's been in a bunch of westerns, man. Yeah, he has. Uh, a couple of mafia movies, too. I love him and whatever he is. Well, Abel heads for the door, so Bernardo decides he's going to draw on him. Rosie tells him, don't do that. He's a gunfighter. He's a gunfighter. Are you sure? <laughs> Just whispers it really loud. <laughs> yeah. So they all put away their guns. Bernardo has been asking Abel his name through this whole thing, and Abel won't say anything. And he still won't tell him, so a, a gunfight ensues. And when it ends, you know, the entire bar draws on Abel, and Margarita enters with a shotgun, followed by Big Ed. <laughs> Big, Big Ed is half the size of anybody else here. But yeah, he, uh, he like shoots the gun off of uh, dude's hand turns around 
scoops up the other guys, and then it's like a standoff. She enters, and she's like, what the hell are you doing in my bar? What's going on? Right. Well, Margarita has no sympathy for Bernardo and his two dead friends, and Bernardo's apparently a little kid because Margarita says something about maybe he learned his lesson this time, and when she turns her back, you see Bernardo go, me, me, and stick his tongue out at her. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> hardcore, like, you know, cowboys. <laughs> like, they act like little kids or something. Yeah. Abel says he'll be leaving after he's had a drink and everybody goes back to their business. Behind the bar, Margarita switches from tough bar omer, owner to timid seductress, saying she's the best French kisser in Chile Verde. Oh. Abel says that if he meets any Frenchman, he'll let him know. <laughs> Big Ed pipes up at this point and asks Abel, you want to care to buy me a drink? Margarita shuts her down, but Abel just moves Margarita aside and buys Big Ed a drink. Yeah, starts talking to her, like, you know, chatting her up, telling him his name. is the first time he's told anybody his name. Willing right. Me. It's uh, it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, it went straight to the old lady. Well, Margarita offers Abel the only shower west of the Mississippi. I, I don't know how how accurate that claim was, but it's definitely the only shower in Chile Verde. Yeah, <laughs> and it's <laughs> and it's uh, it's the old bucket special. Abel heads out back to the shower, and when he leaves, Bernardo tries to follow, but Margarita tells him to let Abel go, and that's when Bernardo says, asks if maybe he's here for the gold, and then, you know, shut up, don't, don't say that so loud. Dun, dun, dun. Right. This town has a secret. Out at the shower, Nympha has arrived with a couple buckets of water. And asks Abel if he wants his shower with or without. <laughs> well, a young girl asked him if he wants with or without. So he says with. Don't know what it is, but I'm sure it'll probably be worth it. She says you would and puts the blindfold on. Apparently it's with or without a blindfold. <laughs> and she climbs up the ladder and proceeds to dump the bucket of water near him, missing him completely until he hollers to her. He should have went without, man. He should have. He would have got more of the shower. Yeah. <laughs> he asks the girl about herself, and she accidentally tells him about the gold of Chili Verde. That's when Margarita comes out to join Abel in the shower. She asks, do you shower with your boots on? He says, I do everything with my boots on. <laughs> so she's going to put that to the test. Yeah, she's uh she's butt naked in the shower with them and stuff, and they just start kind of making out. Yep. Nympha just leaves uh, while that's going on, and we find out that, yes, he does everything with his boots on. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the confessional. Abel is in confession because of Margarita, which this priest has apparently heard a lot. Abel also tells him about transgressions with a young girl in El Paso, also with her mother <laughs> and her grandmother. <laughs> he says something about Lockjaw Indian too. We're getting there, yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to the bar. Rosie has a job in the cantina scrubbing the floor. 
And there's a toothless old man in the bar who puts on a disgusting show of interest in Rosie. (laughs) I tried to find out who this guy was. This is the only thing he's ever appeared in. I don't know where they found him or how, but yeah, he's just a, a, a toothless old man that can make silly faces and disgusting slurping noises. Yeah, he makes a bunch of weird faces throughout the home. <laughs> I know whenever, like, it's just like there'll be, like, some exposition or somebody will say something, and then it'll, it'll just cut to this weirdo guy with, a, like, you know, a goofy face. Yeah, I mean, that's his whole job is to make faces. Yeah, pretty much. Rosie is at the bar talking to Big Ed. Uh, Big Ed is stuck here because she just doesn't have anywhere to go, and she accidentally mentions the gold, too. These people can't keep a secret to save their lives. No. Oh, you figure with everybody talking about the legend of Chili Verde that someone would have figured it out by now. But You would think back at the confessional, Abel is suggesting that Doc Holliday was getting busy with horses at the OK Corral. <laughs> yeah, I laughed at that. <laughs> you really like horses. Like, like, like. What? What do you think he was doing at the OK Corral that early in the morning? Back inside the bar, Ed is going to loan Rosie a dress, which doesn't make a lot of sense since she's like a third the size of Rosie. Yeah. Uh, That night, Bernardo is jealous that Margarita is spending time with Abel, but Abel is still in the confessional. Mm. And this is where he's talking about two lockjaw Indian maids. Uh, you mean Choctaw Indian maids. There's no such thing as lockjaw Indian maids. Well, there are now. <laughs> <laughs> That's where, like, the clever TV banter and shit. Like, everything's like a innuendo, dirty sex joke. Yeah, this entire movie is a, a, a sex joke that you could tell in middle school. Yeah, it's really funny, though. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it's kind of like off the cuff. Type of shit the way they deliver the lines and stuff that's why i was like kind of attracted to the movie because just the the dialogue in this movie is funny as hell right bernardo is addressing the chile verde rotary club <laughs> this this was like that scene in blazing saddles where they have the whole town gathered together and all of the johnsons are are preparing to send a letter to the governor to ask them to send a new sheriff out. Yeah, this is totally like that scene. Yeah. Well, he's trying to rally them to run Abel out of town because he wants their gold. Meanwhile, back at the church, Father Garcia is explaining the the legend of Chile Verde and the limerick that everybody's trying to solve to tell them where the gold is. And he tells them to be very careful of the townsfolk. Abel finally leaves church. He's been in confession for most of the day, apparently. And he walks over to his horse, who is acting really, really nervous. When he walks over to calm the horse, the men of the town throw a rope around him and capture him. Meanwhile, inside, Big Ed is altering a dress for Rosie, and they hear the disturbance. Rosie wonders what that noise is, and Big Ed says, Oh, wait, it's, it's Saturday. It's lynch night. <laughs> they have like a specific day. Yeah, they classic. you know we we eat spaghetti on Tuesdays and we lynch somebody on Saturdays. <laughs> Damn, and they're gonna hang Abel. 
outside the church, Father Garcia is praying because well, he never gets invited to the parties like this. <laughs> Sucks to be the only. He's been I... in this town for 30 years and they've never invited him to lynch night. That's messed up. <laughs> outside, they've got Abel on his horse. They got a noose around his neck and Bernardo slaps the horse, but. This is Abel's horse. This horse isn't going anywhere until Abel tells it to. Yeah, uh, they didn't think this all the way through. Yeah, they did not. Well, Bernardo's just going to shoot off his pistol, and that'll scare the horse and make it run, except that somebody points a rifle out the window and shoots the rope, and Abel's horse takes off with him now that the rope has been cut. Dun-dun-dun! everybody's headed back into the cantina as Rosie and Red Dick come out. Of course, you missed everything. Was it, was it Rosie that was up there with that rifle freeing Abel? Maybe. Meanwhile, out in the desert, Abel has stopped and his horse is chewing the ropes uh, that have his hands tied behind his back. That's a smart horse. It is a very smart horse. It's, it's kind of a Gene Autry style horse. Oh, yeah. Back inside the cantina, it's a busy Saturday night. Uh, all the men are dancing with the men. Margarita is working the bar. Bernardo is making out with Nympha. And Rosie's playing cards with Big Ed. And somebody shocking walks in the door. Everybody gets out of this guy's way. Turns out it's Abel. And he walks up to Bernardo, shoots him dead, and orders tequila. <laughs> This is where we get our first musical number of the movie. Oh, man. Margarita appears to be tuning up for a mournful song for her lover, Bernardo, when she just dumps him off the bar and uh, dumps him off the bar and turns it into a, a uh, song offering to bang Abel. Yeah, it's uh, very suggestive. Yes. Something about taking uh, him south of her border. Yeah, above her garter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she throws it on pretty slick. It's, it's totally like a saloon girl type number. You know, it's kind of cool, kind of catchy. Yeah, Rosie tries to turn this into a song battle. Yeah, because that's like her thing is she thinks she's going to be a star, you know. Right. Big star. Yeah, she and, wanted to be a singer in this cantina, and, and Margarita wasn't interested in that. I think that when she first gets in the bar and everybody comes in at the beginning of the movie, she kind of tries to sing. Then she it's, it's did. That, yeah, that was actually our first musical number. Was 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 her singing, and well, we saw how it ended up with her scrubbing floors. But basically, all the songs are like just long sexual innuendo jokes. They really are. Every song. Yep. Every song is a, is a way to deliver more innuendo. <laughs> well, Abel's not interested in going south of Margarita's border. So he, uh, he just tells her that somebody should bury Bernardo. <laughs> and then he heads to his room. Upstairs, Big Ed knocks on the door to tell Abel goodnight, followed by Rosie knocking on the door, but he doesn't answer her. And then comes Margarita. Margarita and Rosie meet each other in the hallway and trade insults. Rosie says she's here until she finds the gold, and they both head off to their rooms. And of course, wait a minute and head back to Abel's room and catch each other. So they, they just give up on that. 
<laughs> Red Dick heads to his room, and as he walks past the doorway, a hand reaches out and grabs him. Turns out to be Rosie, and he's just fine with that. He's had his eye on Rosie ever since he first saw her. Well, Red Dick gets undressed and gets into bed with Rosie, and he mentions that she's got a tattoo on her ass. And, and then mm-hmm. she kind of accidentally breaks his neck, too. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure the accidents aren't as accidental as they seem. I don't, know, wh- I don't know what it is. I think that's her M.O. Uh, right. You know, she gets you where you're you know, completely in a compromising situation and it breaks your neck. Yeah, yeah. The next morning, Abel startles Ed, Big Ed, who is daydreaming, and she drops a glass and breaks it. Abel just wants to start up conversation. He apologizes for startling her, and, and, and they talk a little bit. Big Ed says that she wants to retire to Abilene, not because she's ever been there, but because she knew it. she met a guy from Abilene one time, and it sounded like a nice place. Oh, yeah. And she starts to play a tune on the piano. It sounds like she's going to sing a song about Abilene, but she hits a pretty sour note. Abel opens up the top of the piano to see what made that happen. And, well, somebody stuffed the body of Red Dick inside the piano. <laughs> He's just stuffed in there with his neck all, all twisted. There's so much stuff. We see a couple of men carrying Dick's body out on a stretcher, and the women start discussing who might have killed him. Margarita suspects Rosie. Big Ed accidentally mentions the limerick that is the clue to where the gold is buried, and a comic brawl ensues between Rosie and Margarita while the men stand around watching creepily. Cat fight. <laughs> It's not much of a fight, though. It's mostly Margarita on the floor and Rosie breaking stuff over her head. Yeah, it's a one-sided cat fight, but it's still a cat fight, especially in this town. I mean, right. on Saturday, is just not a lot. Yeah, exactly. Well, the brawl falls out into the street where we meet Hard Case Williams and his gang. They have arrived after taking Clarence to the dock to get his neck fixed. <laughs> Yeah, and the guy, the the dwarf guy's got his uh, shit, his neck in like one of those uh, collars that you get. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) he's got a cervical collar on, and and every time he says something, he's oh oh oh. So, (laughs) oh man, yeah, every time the camera cuts him, he's like, ow. Right. Well, they're here to get revenge on Rosie. It turns out that Hard Case Williams' father was a preacher, so he's always quote, uh, quoting scripture. They also, in addition to getting revenge, they also need Rosie to find the the gold of Chili Verde. They think she knows uh, how to find it. Father Garcia is standing next to Abel, watching all of this. Abel interrupts them. Uh, Father Garcia says, "Don't worry." They won't shoot while I'm here. And when he finds out that isn't true, he tells Abel that he'll just wait for him in the church. Yeah, he immediately is like, <laughs> wait, yeah, it's killed uh, preachers. Well, whole, wait, that's not the rules. Yeah. Not the rules. Like, you know, holy man's got a free pass. And, uh, well, hey, I can't be caught out here. I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go in the church and put this guy's down. <laughs> the Mexican man is the first one to get shot when the shootout finally begins. Yeah, I love that. Uh, 
he tells the guy, he's like, hey, how you want to do this? And uh, Woods, like, uh, flip a coin. And uh, the guy's like, all right, you flip a coin. And he's like, uh, I don't have a coin. And, and then uh, Hard Case is like, <laughs> things are hard all over, aren't they? <laughs> Fine, I'll flip the coin. You know, he told him he didn't have the coin because he didn't want to be, you know, he didn't want anything to get in the way of him drawing on him. Oh, yeah. They're all, now, there's a shootout that's about to start here. They Everybody knows a shootout is about to begin, and they're all still on their horses. Yeah, I don't get that, but I guess it don't really matter because you know what's going to happen, what's going to drill all these guys. Right. Starting with Mexican. He is the first one shot. The rest of the gang jump off their horses and spread out. Williams uh, looks in the bar. And everybody backs up against the wall. They're all scared of him. He's got a gun. They've all got guns, too. Yeah. They're not. This is hard case, Williams. You know, six, yeah. 15 of us against one of him. That's not fair to us. You heard what you did. <laughs> right. Well, you see some boots sticking out behind the well. And he assumes that's where Abel went. When he looks back, he looks in the saloon and he looks back and those boots are gone. And we see Blackman and Chang circling around behind the buildings. They're going to flip a coin to see who goes out. Uh, Blackman flips the coin, but he won't let Chang see uh, how it landed. He just tells him that, you know, Chang lost. Go on and go out there. Yeah. So he does. Chang heads out to the well, and it looks like he gets shot, but he's able to roll behind the well to safety. Abel's going to pull a dirty trick here. He only puts one bullet in his gun and he turns it around so that uh, it's on an empty chamber. He's up by the church bell and Chang is hiding behind the well. He sees Abel come out and take a couple shots and it just clicks. Abel's out of ammo. So Chang comes out of hiding. It's over. Throw down your weapon. And that's when Abel finally shoots Chang. (laughs) Got him. He got him. Meanwhile, Abel is still in front of the cantina, and he hears something around the corner of the building, so he just sticks his gun around the corner and fires. Uh, It was Blackman. He just killed one of his guys. (laughs) Abel makes a run for the cantina, and he gets stopped by Williams, but somebody shoots the gun out of Williams' hand, and it's the same rifle that shot the rope on lynch night, it looks like. Dun, dun, dun. So a fist fight ensues and Williams knocks Abel down a well. Rosie decides to take this advantage to get the hell out of town, hops on a horse and takes off. And hard case Williams gives chase. Had to have a chase. Had to have a horse chase. Even though, I mean, we only see about five seconds of this horse chase. You, you've got to have one. You can't have a Western without a horse chase. That's the rule. Back in the town, Abel has climbed out of the well, and he grabs a horse and takes off after Williams and Rosie. Rosie is riding her horse toward a cliff, but apparently she doesn't notice that. The horse does. The horse stops and throws her off, and she goes tumbling down the cliff. It's not a very tall cliff, though. It's only a couple of feet. She still had to fall off the horse, though. (laughs) Williams follows her down into the ravine and explains that what he needs is the map that's tattooed on her ass to help find the gold. He shouts that he won't hurt her, 
And then when something moves, he opens fire on it immediately. Turns out there are little white bunny rabbits in the middle of the desert. (laughs) What the hell? Yeah. Uh, That's cannon fodder, man. Yeah, that's something to shoot. (laughs) Granted, that was pretty brutal what he did to that rabbit. Right. Williams wants to discuss a business partnership with Rosie. Rosie says, well, it's my ass. And Williams replies, well, there's enough for there for both of us. I'm not really sure if he's talking about the gold or her butt. <laughs> she explains that the tattoo is only half of the map. <laughs> Williams, damn it. What do you mean it's only half of the map? Well, he's going to kill her now. Rosie pulls the old, oh, look. And when Williams looks, she stabs him in the knee with a hairpin. Yeah. And then kicks him in the nuts and hard case Williams is down. That's when Abel arrives to save Rosie and she allows herself to be saved. Yeah, totally just throws the gun. Like, oh, my hero. Yeah. And then then fake faints. Yeah. (laughs) He tries to catch her and he ends up going down with her. Well, we cut to Big Ed keeping lookout back at the cantina. She runs inside and announces that they're coming and all the townsfolk run out. They carry Rosie and Abel and Williams into the cantina. Take hard case Williams up to Margarita's room. Had to have a fat joke in there, too. Hurry up. She's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the rules. Yeah. That night, Rosie uh, has a couple of mirrors that she's trying oh, to examine the map on her ass. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, of course, she can't do it at all. You know, it's like flat, uh, frustrated and shit. She's trying to get the angle and then like kind of seeing it and it's just not working out. So she just kind of gives up, throws, it, throws the, wind, uh, the mirrors. Right. Rosie, Abel, and Williams are all trying to figure out the limerick. And then, of course, there's a knock on Abel's door. It's Big Ed. Oh, Big Ed. She just wanted to tell him that she appreciated how nice he was to her. And just to say goodnight. Mm -hmm. And, And Big Ed, Big Ed, Abel has kind of a fondness for Big Ed. Yeah. There's another knock on Abel's door. This time it's Margarita. She tells Abel if she finds the gold, half of it is his because she enjoyed their time in the shower so much. Damn. Margarita then heads off to her room and Hardcase Williams is in there and, and things get really crude really fast. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh no pretenses and shit. They just go, you know. No, no. She just pours booze down her front and they go to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yet another knock on Abel's door. I don't know how this man ever gets any sleep. I don't think anybody sleeps in this entire movie. <laughs> it was the 80s, so you know. This time it's Rosie. She says that she'll split everything with Abel. And they're talking about the map. And finding the the treasure, apparently Rosie's going to split everything with Abel because she loves him. But Abel remembers where he saw the other half of that map. Dun, dun, dun. Turns out the other half of that map he saw in his sh- in the shower, tattooed on Margarita's ass. Oh my god! Yeah, 
Well, when Rosie tells Abel that she loves him, he just punches her because that's an obvious response to that sort of thing. Especially in these times. <laughs> I mean, now, now not so much. It's kind of frowned upon. But yeah, back then, it's like, eh, I don't yeah, I mean, the cavemen would hit a woman over the head with a big dinosaur bone and drag her back to the cave in the Old West. A woman says she loves you. You punch her. <laughs> She's working at an angle. <laughs> <laughs> well, Margarita heads back to her room. She's got um, clean bandages for Hardcase Williams. And she kind of hears something thump in Abel's room. And she wants to go check it out, but decides not to. That was uh, Rosie hitting the floor. <laughs> From the well, she decides to use those scissors to threaten Hardcase Williams' family jewels unless he tells <laughs> her about the map to the gold. Damn. She convinces him to hand over the gun that he has hidden under his pillow, and she uses that to promptly knock him out and then tie him to the bed. Next morning, Big Ed finds Williams tied to the bed, and she unties him as they trade jokes about morning wood. <laughs> Williams kicks in Abel's door and he finds Rosie and Margarita face down. After he knocked Rosie out, Margarita came to see him and he just punched her too. <laughs> we cut to see Father Garcia heading through the church. Somebody's knocking on that door. This there's like 10 minutes of this movie that's nothing but people knocking on doors. Yeah, this is the whole right before the big crescendo everybody's like kind of like uh airing their laundry or their grievances they're like they're everybody's telling each other all the information that they each know kind of right and everybody's trying to team up with each other and sell each other out it's right kind of like in scooby-doo when they're doing the hallway chase scene it's like that it's just it's exactly it's like that well abel is the one pounding on the church door he wants father garcia to to get him a map of Scotland. He's got an idea. He thinks he understands what's going on. He sees the map of Scotland and he says he thinks he knows where the gold is and he takes off. Well, after Big Ed unties Hardcase Williams the next morning, he goes and kicks in Abel's door, finds Rosie and Margarita face down on the bed with their butts uncovered. And <laughs> when you put one left cheek next to one right cheek, there's a map of Scotland. It says Butte. And it says Butte. But. <laughs> you said Butte. I know, man. Sorry. <laughs> well, Hard Case Williams, he runs off to the church to see Father Garcia as well. And we see him shout a big woohoo. So mm -hmm. apparently he's figured it out too. And he jumps on his horse and he takes off. As Rosie and Margarita are waking up, they get Nympha to describe the map that's drawn on their butts. Rosie thinks the limerick means the gold is buried in Cactus Kaplan's grave. Nympha takes off running when she hears this. And she runs out of the cantina, knocks Father Garcia down, knocks his skirt up. <laughs> she makes her way to a horse. And as she's getting on the horse, Rosie and Margarita both shoot her, and now Nympha is dead. Dun, dun, dun. They're going to team up against the men. Out at Cactus Kaplan's grave, Abel is the first one to arrive, and he starts digging. 
Rosie and Margarita are headed that way, and they just agreed to team up, but they're trying really hard to take each other out on the way there. Yeah, at this part, it's like they're, I don't know, it, it, it seems like they're, they both know they can't trust each other, but at the same time, it's like it's all they got. Yeah, this you know? is an alliance that's definitely not going to last until they get to tribal council. Nah, hell no. <laughs> they, they are taking each, trying to take each other out. Margarita's got a whip, and she's pretty. Uh, she's got some Indiana Jones style whip skills. Oh yeah, no, she's badass with that whip. You know, like red grab drinks out of your hands and shit. Right. Well, she uses that whip and a tree limb that they're passing under to take Rosie off of her horse, and she just leaves Rosie in the dust. Another kind of horse chase going on. Right. Well, Williams, hard case, Williams is standing by watching Abel dig up Cactus Kaplan's grave. And it turns out that Abel was right. And he pulls a big chest out of the grave. He thinks he's found the gold treasure. That's when Hard Case Williams comes out of hiding. So I was going to try to get here before you, but since you were having so much fun digging that up, I figured I'd just let you. <laughs> and we have a standoff. Nice. He's going to kill Abel, but first they have to discuss how he solved the riddle. <laughs> he says, oh, yeah, it was this word and that word. Goes, Damn it. And he kicks the grave marker over. <laughs> yeah. It's totally like, uh, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, uh, was it uh, Monty Python? Where like, it's, they're just guys dressed up as knights hanging out in yeah. the woods. It's not real. It just kind of breaks the scene for a moment. It totally kicks that over like it was cardboard. Well, I right. mean, it was wood. Not it was wood, shoddy. yeah. It, it, but it wasn't very sturdy wood. But the whole thing about, I figured out this. And well, when you think about this part, it's kind of obvious. Shit, yeah. it is obvious. Damn it. <laughs> he asked Abel if he wants to get shot in the head or the heart. And that's when somebody shoots the gun out of Hard Case Williams' hand. It seems Margarita has arrived. Abel says they can all share it, but Margarita's not going for that. And that's when Rosie gets to drop on all of them. And we have a very polite Mexican standoff because, well, Margarita doesn't have a, or, or um, Hard Case Williams exclaims, yeah, this isn't fair. And they all not fine, go ahead. And he reaches down and picks up his gun so that he can also be armed. Is probably the most considerate gunfire or Mexican standoff I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty polite. It is kind of seems like a <laughs> like type of uh, thing. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's make everything fair. Everybody get a gun. Yeah, get a gun. I got two. How'd you get two guns? You know, and uh, well, yeah, I've got to cover all... both of you guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, we're ready to do this now. <laughs> ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all decide to shoot the lock off the chest. <laughs> And they just unload on this chest. And I don't think any of them hit it. No, it's like 15 shots. And it's like, yeah, it's just all around. You just get poof, poof, smoke. You know, and of course the dust settles down. And uh, I think the lock's off. No, not yet. It's still locked. That's why Hard Case Williams walks over and he kicks it. And that just hurts his foot. That's okay. Rosie's got an idea. And she squats down on this chest and clenches up her thighs and turns out that people's necks aren't the only thing she can break. Damn. And she just 
crunches the, the chest open. Go, girl. That's when Father Garcia shows up with a rifle. He wants the gold. Hard Case Williams just goes, all right, everybody, move around this way. And they all uh, so reposition themselves to give Father Garcia a spot in their very considerate Mexican standoff. Yeah. He's been hanging out in this stupid town for 30 years, waiting for the other half of the map to show up. And that gold belongs to him. And he opens up the chest. It is full of gold, but it's stolen treasure. And it turns out now, now we have to have the bit where the, the real bad guy just explains how everything happened. Yeah, the monologue. Yep. Turns out that Captain Kaplan or Cactus Kaplan was the one who developed the riddle and tattooed the map of Scotland on his daughter's butt. It turns out Margarita and Rosie are sisters. Dun, and dun, dun. Yeah, not only that, but Cactus Kaplan wanted them to have the gold. Father Garcia knew that he wanted them to have the gold, but he's still going to try to steal it from them. And how does he know all of this? Well, it turns out Father Garcia wasn't always a Catholic priest. He was a rabbi at one point. <laughs> and he married Cactus Kaplan and his wife Lupita. So Rosie and Margarita are the Kaplan sisters. Man, this legend is Chili Verde. It's a messed up, messed up legend. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Now, Father Garcia is explaining all of this, kind of oblivious to what's going on around him and the other four, they all they all reach down and, and recover their guns while he's stuck in this. And they all point at Father Garcia. Yeah, he kind of he's like in this like zealous moment and stuff. He's not even in pain. He's kind of like just looking off in the clouds. It's like I can't believe I did it. You know, I got the gold. I'm so smart. Yeah, Man, I'm gonna be rich. I'm gonna travel the world. I'm gonna go to the Vatican. I'm gonna be a pope. And they're like, "Fuck that!" And just like, <laughs> like yeah, they blast him, man. All of them. Yep. They shoot him. Well, they return to their standoff after shooting Father Garcia, and Rosie convinces Margarita that they should team up against the men. And uh, she says, "Well, how do I know that you won't uh, you won't turn on me?" Is it just trust me? And Rosie pulls out her perfume and she starts spraying it. We know Hard Case Williams is allergic to this perfume. Yep. And as soon as he starts to sneeze, they both shoot him. Now it's down to three. They immediately try to sell each other out and win over Abel. Yeah. When Rosie finds out that Abel and Margarita had sex in the shower, Rosie just shoots Margarita. <laughs> when... Uh, really love, man. Yeah. Rosie again tells Abel that she loves him, and it turns out Margarita wasn't shot well enough. She's still alive. She takes a, a shot at Rosie, who exclaims, you bitch, and shoots her three more times. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, Abel wants Rosie to prove her love by throwing down her gun, so she does, and she goes to him like she's going to kiss him, but at the last second, she pulls out a Derringer. And get shot by somebody off screen. Kim with the off screen shooter. Yeah, but this time we find out who it was. Who was it? Up on top of the butte is Big Ed. Big Ed. Yeah. He says, that's, that's twice you've saved me. And she says, eh, three times. Yes, yeah, three times, sucker. 
Well, Abel splits the gold with Big Ed. But it turns out Rosie isn't dead yet either, because I, I don't know what it is. Um, everybody gets shot, and then they're not shot, and then they have to get shot again or something. It's weird. Yeah, it's just tough people back then, man. But Abel and Big Ed, they're not interested in anything Rosie has to say, and they ride off, leaving her begging and swearing vengeance on Big Ed. And as they're riding through the desert, they hear a shot, and they assume that Rosie shot herself, and they cross themselves. We see Buzzard circling over, and Rosie looks dead, but she isn't. She's just got her eyes closed. It seems she's shot a buzzard and had been cooking it, and she starts eating it and says, well, maybe he'll be back tomorrow. After all... Tomorrow is another day, and we get our Gone with the Wind, uh, the end. Yeah, she's just back where she started from, lost yep. in the desert. She's just lost in the desert. Abel's gone with, probably with Big Ed to Abilene. Yeah, and the gold. And that's our, that's our movie. That was a fun movie. It was, it was corny as hell. It was, yeah. it, was, it was dumb fun, but it was still fun. It's kind of like a cool, like, summer popcorn movie. It's like you just turn your brain off, go for a ride, listen to the jokes. That's mostly it's like it's just something to turn your brain off and laugh at something stupid. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember seeing it when I was young and I was like, this is stupid. And then, like, the more <laughs> I watched it, the more I watched it, the funnier it got. It seemed like right. it's like that first sit through. You don't really realize it's like they're okay. I get it. They're making fun of Western. So the second one is like all the little innuendos and the inside jokes and stuff. Right. Like, yeah, like half the movie was like gay or something. It's like, so it's like, this, why are they doing all these weird straight jokes? And then you see, oh, okay. Yeah. It, it's pretty clever and stuff. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, once you, when, when I watched this, I thought, I, I thought, you know, this is just a, a bad movie. But, you know, all of these movies like this that are this bad, they're, they're this bad on purpose. That's the joke. Yeah. And the poking fun at the spaghetti westerns was done very intelligently. It was, it was you knew exactly what it was. They were calling out every single joke. Yeah. Um, and they, you don't get... Uh, spoof westerns that much I, like i can only think blazing saddles and this you know what i'm saying right it's really a genre on its own because like no one does that yeah and this was a far cry from blazing saddles but yeah. it was still a lot of fun oh yeah it's good it stuff. was a fun ride all right man i think that's a podcast awesome we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.